Bring it in. Read option back getting you ready for week 14 in the NFL season. And really no college football this weekend. We have one game, the Army-Navy game, America's game, one of the coolest and most amazing sports traditions we have. Uh, and, and so I hope everyone gets a chance to watch that game on Saturday for what will be the official closing out of the regular season in college football. Honestly, I don't know what I'm going to do on Saturday. I'm going to, I'm going to feel lost. I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, well, you got bowl games for weeks, but that doesn't start till next week, Scotty. Oh man. What are we going to do? So Scotty's here with us. No veto scheduling conflict. Uh, our man's working hard. All right. That dude works harder than anybody I know. Uh, and he needs all of our support to get by. And I honestly, I don't know. Sometimes he listens to the pod when he's not on. I hope he's been listening because I feel like we've been giving him some love and some shit too. Because I mean, again, it's been like, it's been like, I think the last time Vito was on the pod is when we did it live together. Uh, that sounds correct. I think yeah. There might've been one since then maybe, but uh, look again, we're going to give him a pass. He's been working his ass off and we are, we're making this, we're declaring this for the people. He will be back next week. Don't care what it takes. Don't care if we got to change days and times or whatever. We're going to get the I'm gonna drag back uh, because we are at like nut crunching time here for the NFL. And what's cool about where we stand in the NFL right now is that it really feels like anyone, not only for like the top end, like anyone can win the Super Bowl, but for who's going to make the playoffs. We still don't really know who's good after Monday night. I mean, I think we have to spend a little bit of time talking about the Patriots throwing the ball three times in an NFL game and still dominating. You know, like that game was not as close as what the score indicated. I know Buffalo had a chance there late to go on and win the game. Um, but that game was absolutely dominated by the Patriots on both lines of scrimmage. They may and, – and I get it, like the wind and the factors and everything else that go into it during games like that make it really tough. But that, that game was an absolute shellacking physically. Like they physically dominated the Bills – and the Bills still had a chance. And, and with all that being said, the Bills still aren't out of it. Like this, the Bills still have a chance to go out and, and actually win the AFC East. Not likely, but they're they're far from out of it. So what was your biggest takeaway? We're going to get into a little Heisman talk here as well. But I want to start with the Monday night game. What was your takeaway Monday night after uh, after that performance from from Mac Jones handing the ball off 32 times? I learned nothing. I learned nothing because of the weather. So like, that's just one of those of all the, the games at the end of the year, 32 times 17 is what, uh, let me get the pull the calculator out here. That's uh, 544 games. We play. I learned absolutely nothing in this one. We, we, we play 544 games and, and this one will be completely forgotten lost among the annals of NFL games this season. What I did, uh, the one thing I could take away, I think, maybe, is uh, Buffalo's uh, not very good. A bit of a precipitous fall from grace as the uh, as the Super Bowl darlings uh, potentially turning themselves from contenders into pretenders. So uh, 
you know, that to me, I, I, I just, other than, other than Buffalo needing to figure themselves out, uh, just one of those games among the 544 that we play that just, I'll forget it because the weather just ruined everything. I mean, I ruined is a strong word, but I, I understand where you're coming from. It was different. And to me, I actually thought it was one of the most enjoyable games that I've been able to watch here in 2021 because it was so different. You know, there were a lot of people on- online who, who didn't like the weather or, you know, I guess depending on like they could control it. I mean, yeah. Right. And I don't know, like I, I try not to be too like old school football guy, like, ah, a good seven to six battle, you know, yeah. field goals and punts. Like the big uglies, like that stuff's that stuff gets boring. It, it does. Like, it's part of the reason why I, especially going back like 10 years ago, would rather watch a Big 12 game than a Big 10 game. Now, I think in college football, it's kind of leveled out a little bit. You know, we're, we're getting higher scores, better offenses across the board because that's the direction that football's kind of gone in. But every once in a while to have a game like this that's such an outlier makes it super entertaining. And I am a Manning cast apologist. I, I do not like Brian Greasy on any calls. I think he's, t- and I'm not one to really rip color commentators. Like I even liked Booger and nobody liked Booger. Brian Greasy is, is awful. And the fact that he's doing Monday night games really shows you how far Monday night has fallen off. I think Steve Levy's great. I like Lewis Riddick on the calls. I think he had some interesting insight because he's been in front offices. He played, he did a lot of stuff. Brian Greasy was like a mediocre quarterback for a long time. And I don't think he adds anything of substance to, to the overall broadcast. So I watch the Manning cast because even in a game like that, where you have two quarterbacks who are, who are shaking their heads, like why aren't you throwing the football? Peyton Manning even alluded to like, Hey, you know, I haven't, I did all of this prep work on Mac Jones and how far he's come and what they've been able to do in the passing game with him that they just couldn't use in this game. But they were able to see the, you know, the brilliance of what the whole, what, what it was in its entirety, which was coaching balls, honestly. Like it takes a, a huge set of cojones to come out and, and do what Belichick and them did to execute at the level that they did. And then to just see five grown five, six. I mean, a lot of times, I don't think I've ever heard a game when the refs mic gets put on and they say number 71 is an eligible receiver, you know, cause sometimes that happens once or twice a game where they bring in the extra offensive lineman and he reports as eligible. That happened like 15 times in that Monday night game. Yeah because they just kept bringing in a sixth offensive lineman and they were absolutely dominating Buffalo. And remember too, Buffalo all year uh, going into this game. And I think even after this game still has the number one defense in the NFL. And they did all of this stuff because in their eyes, it was, how do we stop the chiefs? Right. That the bill, I mean, like I, I'm blanking on the GM's name there in Buffalo, but uh, Bean, it's, it's not Billy Bean, but it's, Brandon Bean, maybe Um, his whole idea and approach to how they were building the bills this season was to find a way to beat the Patriots or sorry, to beat the chiefs. 
And the Chiefs offense hasn't looked like what it has. But in doing so, what the Chief, stopping the Chiefs means you got to get pressure. You need to have a bunch of defensive linemen. You got to be able to get after a quarterback and stop a passing offense with a great cornerback in Tredavious White with this with strong safety play in the back with guys like Dean Marlowe and, and, and Micah Hyde. And now you go up against a team who wants to do nothing but run the ball down your throat and you're not built to stop it because you have Ed Oliver as your three technique, who is awesome, but Ed Oliver is not a run stuffing defensive tackle. He's a guy who, who's going to get, he's like more like Aaron Donald in scheme in terms of an interior rusher. Who's going to be able to actually generate pressure and kind of help collapse the pocket. He's not in there to stop running games because he's a little bit undersized to be playing that position in the first place. I thought it was just brilliant coaching. I I thought the game plan of Bill Belichick to go into a game, knowing, pointing out the weaknesses, using the, the climate and the weather to your advantage, understanding that your quarterback doesn't have some rocket arm. Like the wind didn't bother Josh Allen, which is a testament to how freaking strong that dude's arm is. But again, they knew Mac Jones wasn't going to be able to do that. And they knew that, hey, the Bills have been good in pass coverage, even though Tredavious White is done for the season towards ACL last week. I was just so impressed with everything I saw from Bill Belichick and and, and that game plan and McDaniels uh, and Steve Belichick, who I get that, like, it's, it's Bill Belichick's show. He runs that defense and the defensive coordinator – is there to call plays and kind of just keep things going. But that whole week, it's basically Bill Belichick, the defensive coordinator as well. But Steve Belichick has done a really, really good job. And former players, guys like Chris Long and, and others who are in media now who played for, for Steve, talk about how awesome of a coach he is and, and how likable he is and, and the job he does. And honestly, it's funny considering who his dad is. But the one team right now in the AFC, especially when you look at the playoff picture and, and the Titans – are the two seed right now. And yeah, maybe they do get Derrick Henry back, but how healthy is he? Uh, Liz Jones fractures tough. Like the Patriots are showing you're, you're not going to be able to beat us. You can't run on them. You can't yeah. throw on them because JC Jackson has been arguably one of the best three cornerbacks in football this season. I don't know how, how you really stop them unless you really, really are able to move the ball and force them into a shootout. But, I don't know how you do that against this defense. Yeah, I don't either. Um, like you said, Belichick finds a way to get the, the defense fired up. And, and they've played better and better and better each week. So I, 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 I don't know how you stop uh, or scheme up an offense that, uh, that, can, that can get around that. I mean, if the Bills can't with, with Josh Allen, then I don't know who can um in the AFC uh so that's tough um but you know for Buffalo on the defensive side they're going to keep you in a lot of ball games um so now it's just a matter of of regrouping on on offense and I think this year is the first year uh you know it hasn't hurt them in the past or come back to bite them but this seems to be the the first year that we've seen in this what three year ish run now where not having a solid running game is really really hurting them on offense like really bad because for whatever reason josh allen isn't running unless he has to um and zach moss isn't doing anything 
Devin Singletary isn't doing anything. The flash we saw of Matt Breida a couple weeks ago has turned into into nothing but a flash in the pan. So I don't I don't know, man. Uh, it, it just seems I don't know if it's the same problem that Kansas City is having, where they're just scheming up uh, ways to uh, force Josh Allen to make a decision, uh, like like defense is doing against Patrick Mahomes, but. Uh, it's weird. I, I don't know. I, and I think it might be their detriment when it comes down to it. You know, I think they still make the playoffs, but they're a wild card team and seven and or uh, nine and seven rather than uh, uh, or nine and eight, I guess. Uh, this one, this extra game is really throwing me. Yeah. Still. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, you, I, you, yeah. I still think they probably get to 10 wins, but I mean, I, I, it's, they have Carolina left on their schedule, which you would anticipate being a win. I'm trying to pull up their Buffalo schedule right now. Um, but this week they have to play Tampa Bay, you know? So like there, you go from what, what felt like, all right, we have all of these, you know, like, like the bills, uh, the chiefs, you know, the, the, even the Browns, right? Like these really good offenses. We haven't seen any of it in the AFC right now. And, and what's weird is the, 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 uh, variability of what the Patriots can do on defense and a little bit on offense, you know, they're obviously still holding Mac Jones back a little bit. They're not letting him go full fledged, you know, slinging around, but I feel like as a whole, the Patriots are, are definitely the most complete team. They've won seven in a row. And, and in each game, it's been by dominating the line of scrimmage. And how many times do we have to hear that in football you win at the line of scrimmage and it's not flashy and it's not always fun. And some of Holmes doing insane trick passes. Sometimes it's your quarterback throwing the ball three times, but if it equates yeah. to a win, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. And you have a quarterback that you, and this is the biggest thing you have a quarterback that you trust, right? Not to go out and do anything. Like he's on a short leash but you're going to let him do whatever he wants on that short leash, right? Whatever you're, whatever they're willing to give him, they trust him immensely to do, which protects you from turning the ball over from getting into crazy shootouts and the way they can run with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. It's crazy. And the bills, you're right, man. They're completely one-sided. They're completely one-sided. And I'm curious too, because Josh Allen's rushing numbers have been have dipped considerably than in years past. The one difference being he signed a hundred and what sixty million dollar contract this offseason. Yeah. Whereas before, all right, you know, you didn't want him to run as much, but it was okay. I'm not saying that. Okay, now because of the contract they wanted to, but you, you have to protect him. You've invested; it's a hundred and sixty million dollar asset. And even if you want to boil it down, because most contra NFL contracts are about sixty five percent of what the actual number is that we see, like you're still talking about a hundred million dollar play. And, and you have to think we got to protect this guy, and you can't run. But also, I think part of it falls on Josh Allen, where Josh Allen has gotten a taste of being one of the best throwers and best passing quarterbacks in the NFL, not just one of the best playmakers. Like he was last, you know, last year, he was one of the best passing quarterbacks in the NFL. He was reading defenses. He was doing a lot. And I think part of it is on a reluctancy on his part where he knows he can make every single throw. And, and it was funny because he and Lamar and Patrick Mahomes all had the same 
sentiment this off season, which was we like, they all said individually, but it was, I want to become a better pocket passer. And we've seen Mahomes hold onto the ball too long and make more mistakes and not run and, and take the easy check downs. We've seen Lamar Jackson do the exact same thing, even though he still runs proportionally more than anyone else. And we've seen it from Josh Allen now too. And there is something too. okay. We have, uh, you know, this, this unbelievable talent, you know, when you got a thoroughbred, sometimes you got to let them run. Sometimes you got to let them go out and just be them instead. But also it's kind of like, they've also put that onus on themselves. They're like, yeah, but we want to be like Tom Brady. We want to play until we're 45. We want to be able to understand and, and do all that stuff. And it's definitely taken away from some of their production this year. Maybe in the long term, it'll make them better quarterbacks. But for 2021, I think it's it's hurt them both a little bit. Um, before we get into the games for the NFL, the one other bit of uh, football-related news that came out. And now that, by the way, now that college football is over, I think we're going to start doing once a week, probably on this Friday, Pop. We're going to just sprinkle in a little bit of NBA stuff, too. Because, Ooh. <laughs> because they always say, right, Christmas is the, the unofficial start of, college, of, of basketball season, of the NBA season. And I think, I think it'll be good for us and the listeners to just dip the toes in a little bit, you know, just get a little sprinkle in there, just feel it out. Let's see how, you know, just, just to get everyone ready for that Christmas day when it's like there's NBA, you know, basketball on all day from start to finish. There might even be some bowl games on Christmas too, because it's a Saturday this year, which would be really fun. Um, but just so everyone's kind of caught up because the NBA season talk about unpredictable has been, all over the place. Uh, and it's been kind of fun to kind of pay, you know, pay a little bit of attention. The Rockets are good again. I don't know. Uh, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> definitely not the Rockets. They've been hot. Uh, Steph uh, Curry is nine threes away from breaking Ray Allen's all time record. How, how ridiculous that? is that, man? In how like ridiculous significantly less games. I saw, I think it was like, now we talk well about over a hundred games. We talk about how like passing yards have adjusted over time, right? Like Kirk Cousins is going to finish as like a top time pa- top ten passer of all time in terms in terms of yards and touchdowns and shit by the time he retires. Same thing with like Matt Stafford. The same things happen in the NBA, right? Like the pro, you know, three pointers becoming far more prolific uh, and, and kind of spreading out the floor and opening things up in, in the middle. Like for guys like Steph, who were huge pioneers in that. The same thing is going to happen. Like James Harden's probably going to end up breaking Ray Allen's record by the time all is said and done, too. Uh, but Steph does it at such another level, and, and has been doing so. I mean, he has been so ridiculously entertaining to watch this year. And if you if if you get a chance, I mean, like the Warriors are on like every weekend they're on ESPN or TNT. Every weekend they get national games because that's how amazing Steph has been. He's just pull like he had a half court shot this week. He's he's pulling up from 40. He there's an argument that watching him on the court is as entertaining as anything in all of sports right now. So do yourselves a favor this weekend, whatever on Saturday, no college football. See if you can watch some Steph Curry. I don't know what the Warriors the Warriors play on Saturday. Yeah, I think they play uh, Philly. Yeah, they do. They play yeah, Philly. That's right. It's in Philly. Um, it's on it's on ESPN. So watch Gotta Sixers, be. watch Sixers Golden State this weekend in Philly on Saturday to get uh, to fill the void of not having college football, but the Heisman finalists were announced. And I know we talked about a little bit at the end of the show on, on Tuesday, which also went out on Wednesday. I do. I said it, I put it out on Twitter. There was an AWS uh, major outage, which is Amazon web services and the, uh, 
the company which we use to publish all of our podcasts and everything RSS uh, uses AWS. And so they were basically shut down for all day on Tuesday, which um, I had the podcast scheduled to come out on Tuesday and then it didn't come out. And I got, uh, I was emailing people and trying to figure out what was going on and it didn't end up going out until Wednesday morning. So I do apologize for that. But at the end of Tuesday's pod, we talked about the Heisman and I had made the case for uh, Will Anderson who final season stats, 32 and a half tackles for a loss, 15 and a half sacks, um, nearly 100 tackles. And again, that's just 13 games, has blown Ndamukong Sue's numbers out of the water when you consider, um, you know, what he did in 2009. And he's also played one less game than what Ndamukong Sue had. Uh, and I understand why he didn't. And I think if Will Anderson played for Georgia, he probably would get invited because I think Alabama didn't want to split the votes, right? You know, so much of the Heisman campaigns and stuff does have a lot to do with how your school promotes it and promotes you and kind of pumps your, your team and you guys out. Um, and Will Anderson uh, is the best player on Alabama. He just is. And, and Andy Staples has the best line about it is how can you win the Heisman or be, you know, the Heisman representative from your school, like, Bryce Young was when you're not even the best player in your own county, when you're not the best player in Tuscaloosa <laughs> County, how, how can you be the one to be the college football player of the year? Now, Bryce Young was phenomenal on Saturday and, and deserves a lot of credit and probably should be in, in the four that, that go there, but Will Anderson not being there and Aiden Hutchinson, who again is the lifeblood of that team. Uh, is by far the most important member of that Michigan team, has had a phenomenal season. I believe he finished with 14 and a half sacks, uh, which uh, broke the single season record for the University well, of Michigan. against Penn State. <laughs> I mean, he I mean, he had three in the game against Ohio State. Like, the dude is a monster, and he's going to be a first-round draft pick, and he deserves to be there. They should have put five and or, or gone four. And, and the one name that upset me, because Kenny Pickett's going – Bryce Young's going, Aiden Hutchinson's going. I think all three of those are, are awesome representatives, especially Kenny Pickett. We all know how I love Kenny Pickett. But C.J. Stroud being the fourth is what really pissed me off because C.J. Stroud sucked ass against Michigan. He was terrible for the first three weeks of the season, including that game against Oregon. He was a huge reason. He had two interceptions, both of which cost Ohio State dearly, and one of which ended the game against Oregon when they had a chance to go down and tie it and send it into overtime. CJ Stroud has no business being in New York for the Heisman. And this is my biggest gripe with it, which is that it goes the Heisman, what it says, right? Like the tag on for is it's for the most outstanding player in college football. CJ Stroud is not even in the top 10 and it's become a quarterback award. It's become, I mean, in the last 20 years, there's only three non quarterbacks all of which went to Alabama, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, Devontae Smith. In the last 20 years, other than that, it's been all quarterbacks. Nanamakin Sue probably was the most outstanding player in 2009, but that ended up going to Mark Ingram. I, I understand where we're at. I understand that sometimes most important player, quarterback, all that stuff. But Will Anderson not going and C.J. Stroud going instead of him is an absolute uh, disgrace is too strong of a word, but it's just, it's really unfortunate because we're talking about a guy who um, has put on one of the best defensive seasons in college football history. Yeah, no, I agree. 
And and to the point about CJ Stroud too, like any of his I'd say even well, maybe two of the three wide receivers I put on that list ahead of him and Chris Olave and uh oh draw a blank. Oh my god. Garrett Wilson. Uh, definitely Chris Olave though. Garrett Wilson, thank Garrett you. Garrett Wilson, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So and uh, Smith and put, Jubu too, who I just butchered his name, but yeah, I, I I don't get that. Uh, and you're right; it has become a quarterback award. I don't understand why. Apart from Devontae Smith last year, it's the guy who has the ball in their hand most of the time. That's what you saw with the two running backs who won the award over the last twenty years, and Mark Ingram and uh, and Derrick Henry, uh, because you can't take the ball out of their hands in 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 those offenses. If you look back, um, so and then last year, Devontae Smith was the biggest playmaker in college football regardless of quarterback mac jones was was good in college but but lord like, like just the biggest playmaker uh play buster was far and away Devonte smith so uh beyond that I, I guess the only rationale is is whoever's got the ball in their hand the most and that's always the quarterback because that's just the way the game of football works so i don't know it's it's a shame um because you know the more and more athletic these kids get the the easier it is to look at the any part of the field and particularly playmakers on defense and be like, yeah, you're definitely one of the top five most outstanding players in college football. I don't, I, and, and to that point too, like the, the Heisman voters, it's a huge honor to be a Heisman voter. Like it's a massive honor. And to do that, you have to prove that you are either a Heisman. I think there's, it's over a thousand people. Um, but you have to write about college football. You have to follow the sport. You have, you played, you coached, you've won the Heisman. Like we're talking about people who really, really grasp what is important in the game of football. And to have someone as much of a game record as Will Anderson, not, and I know a bunch of Heisman voters and, and people who told me off the record that they were like, yeah, like I voted for Will Anderson. I'm, I don't know how CJ Stroud gets voted in and, my the other thing too is it's like you know the ap it's 100 teams the coaches poll coaches polls are always full of bias right the coaches poll is usually the most biased of all polls because coaches they're strategic about who they vote for right and they have a lot of biases um in a pool as big as the heisman pool which again is over a thousand voters i would hope that you know local bias big 10 bias conference bias whatever wouldn't play a role into it so I just don't understand how enough people could look at CJ Stroud and be like, yeah, he's on. Cause you can only vote for three. You, you list your top three. So how is it that he was one, he was top three on how many people's ballots to get him to New York. It, and look, the kid is awesome. He's had a really good season. I think CJ Stroud's going to be a really good quarterback next year. I think they're going to continue to be better. Ohio state just hired Jim Knowles, who's Oklahoma state's defensive coordinator, which is an awesome hire for them. Ohio State is going to come back with a vengeance next year. I have no doubt about it. But C.J. Stroud this year should not he – had, he had a five-game stretch, which was unbelievable. Arguably the best five-game stretch that any quarterback had. But they also came against terrible opponents like Rutgers and Maryland. And then the one game that we all went, okay, C.J. Stroud's in, he's in the conversation for real, was the Michigan State game where he threw – he had six touchdowns in the first half. I get it. Unbelievable performance. Michigan State has the worst pass defense in all of college football, 130th out of 130 teams. 
that to me is not enough. You know, five games of looking unbelievable. I've put Matt Corral there. Matt Corral just led Ole Miss to a yeah. 10 and two record. Uh, Michigan State, how about Kenneth Walker the third? And Kenneth Walker the third. Both, both of them have better cases to me than CJ Stroud. But for whatever reason, there's this quarterback bias with this award. And it, it, it's disheartening because there are a lot of really, really good players who deserve credit. And if we want to talk about most outstanding, why don't we talk about uh, the, the center from Iowa, who's the best college center we've had in decades. Let's talk about him for being the most outstanding, because I guarantee you there's not three or four other players who are better at their position than he is at, at center for Iowa. But an offensive lineman's never going to win the Heisman because that's not what it's about anymore. The Maxwell Award goes to the best quarterback. If you're the best quarterback, you win the Maxwell Award. The Belindikoff goes to the best wide receiver. You're the best wide receiver, you go to – the Heisman's about the most outstanding player in college football. And even Aiden Hutchinson, who is awesome, if there's only going to be one defensive player who goes, it should not be Aiden Hutchinson. I'm sorry. As much as I love him and I love the story and everything else, he's the MVP for Michigan. He should be the Big Ten player of the year. But, and I think he actually might have won. I know he won Big Ten defensive player of the year. Mm. But he's not a better player or prospect than Will Anderson is. He hasn't had a better season than Will Anderson. No. Or any of the guys on the Georgia defensive line. Yeah, which is honestly like Jordan Davis, right? Like all these guys, but it's so hard as an interior defensive lineman to put up those numbers, which was a huge reason why Nanama Kinsu went in 2009 when he was at Nebraska, because it was an interior defensive lineman who were putting up that stat, those stats. So I don't know. That's, my, that's like my little rant. I, I do understand where we're at so it's not that like i'm ignorant to that it just it just bothers me that a player like will anderson doesn't get the recognition he deserves and oh by the way he already won the award for best defensive end in in college football this year best d lineman in college football this year so like if aiden hutchinson didn't win that how is he going to the heisman all right the heisman voters need to need to take a long look in the mirror because cj stroud i'm sorry great year dude maybe next year is your heisman year you shouldn't be going to New York for this. You shouldn't. Um, if we're going to have a two-loss quarterback, it should be Matt Corral. Or, and Kenny Pickett's there, but it should be Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett. It shouldn't be fucking C.J. Stroud. All right. We're going to take a quick break, come back, pick our NFL games, and we're going to wrap up with our Army-Navy prediction as well. All right, week 14. Only four weeks left. This is getting sad. I said that, you know, um, as Scott Hansen was signing off this past week, and even when he when he said, you know, you know, the classic Scott Hansenisms, the we go to the Octobox and the seven hours of commercial free football, and then, uh, you know, his sign off and the witching out, all that good stuff, all the classics, all the hits. Um, Big as Scott he was Hansen. doing those, yeah, me too. Uh, friend of the league. Uh, I was saying, yeah, as, I was gonna say you're a big Scott Hansen guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, as as he was doing it, I, I was in my head. I was like, damn, there's only like five of these left. That's yeah. So disappointing. It's so sad. It it is, and I don't know. It's it's a weird time of year because like I'm getting excited for Christmas and New Year's and being around, seeing family and certain stuff like that. But I'm also kind of like, damn, man, like we're gonna lose football. With that, we get cool. Fo- we get like playoff football and stuff, and we get bowl season. 
a lot of really interesting bowls too this year um, with some of the coaching changes. A few of them have lost a little bit of luster, but I don't know. I, I think, I think we're going to get some really good bowl games. You know, I think there's a lot of teams that want to go out and prove something. So I think there's going to be some good stuff. Oh, Oh shit. That was a yawn. That was a read option. Yawn. Um, I had too many yawn of cast. them. <laughs> not had too many of them. I think in the history of this show, uh, as we near the century mark in episodes, how about that? To just steal a phrase from my buddy Scott. All right, love a good century. <laughs> Thursday night game. <laughs> love a good century. <laughs> What's your favorite century, Scott? Uh, has to be the 1800s. 1800s. Yeah. 17th century, or not? Wow. Sorry, 19th century. So you don't like and the 1700s when America was born? Do you hate America? No comment. <laughs> no i don't no nah, see i'm more of like a 1300s guy but i also think the 1100s oh, yeah. the 1100s get renaissance guy huh? how often have you heard about the 1100s you know you get you... only in the context of like the crusades and stuff are you a crusader oh yeah dude king oh. king crusader over here <laughs> all right watch out alexander the great <laughs> he's the he's the great he's the goat we that should start way go- before that <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that we oh. could have said anything and they probably would have bought in hmm. we should start calling him <laughs> alexander the goat why <laughs> he's the greatest of all time if Is you're he? alexander the great by title alone you are the greatest of all time you are the great i'm like, here for conqueror rankings so are we doing that off-season content we're going to rank <laughs> conquerors of the world <laughs> big alexander the goat guy i'm telling you spoiler start, alert i'm gonna start, he's <laughs> at, alexander at the six, goat just telling you isn't he the one that there. isn't he the one that like 90 percent of people or whatever have some sort like you could trace your lineage back to alexander the goat uh it's either that or genghis khan oh it might be genghis khan they might be your number one seeds on each side of the bracket. Yeah, yeah. If we're making a bracket, definitely. Like you know top. how the ringer, the ringer on Twitter will do like TV show character like rankings and they do Twitter polls. We should do that, but with conquerors. I'm here for it. But we might we might need to stop once we get to like seventeen hundreds. Well, I was oh. yeah, I was gonna say like <laughs> let's I because then you know America's been like the conqueror. If we if we're the modern day conqueror, I mean let's be honest here. So USA, number one seed. Yeah, US. This is going down a path. I... <laughs> Let's talk about football. Thursday night, we have, <laughs> we have Pittsburgh and Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings coming off of a, a loss against the Detroit Lions. Not a good loss. Not great, Bob. Uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off of a huge win over Baltimore on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, whenever that game was. Uh, right now, the Vikings are a three-point favorite at home. Uh, I these are two teams. This like if you're better, this isn't stay the hell away. Take a take a Thursday off. Go order a pizza. Take the money that you're gonna that you would bet on this game and order some food. Get some DoorDash. Go grab a beer, a little six pack. Don't bet on this game because there is unless you're gonna do in-game betting. There's no read. There's no read in this game. Both teams have been impossible to trust all season. 
the Steelers are coming off a big win. You think emotional letdown the next week, but also you think, okay, but the defense is actually starting to play pretty good football. Minnesota is coming off of a horrible loss, uh, but they've also been super inconsistent. It's been a one score game in every single game that they've played this year, more or less, except for that one win against Seattle. I, I don't, I don't know what you bet here. Maybe look at the, I mean, the over under is 44 and a half, but with both of these teams, I could see it being like 30 to 20 and you, and you yeah. clear comfortably. And I could also see it be, you know, 17 to 10. So I don't know if actually, do you have a lean at all in this game. Yeah. I actually prefer the spread to the, uh, <clears throat> to the over under. I don't think they're going to hit it. <laughs> like it come anywhere close to that. I think it's yeah. going to be drastically over. I, I think um, it's more likely to be an under two, but we've also seen the Vikings Vikings offense look really good at times this year. I, yeah. And we've seen them look good at times. Now, look, they're not, Probably not going to have Adam Thielen, who's uh, still uh, game time, but leaning toward uh, not playing. Dalvin Cook apparently might be coming back. He's another game time decision, uh, which whether he or Madison are in the lineup, I think is where the uh, where the tilt occurs, uh, because this Steelers rushing defense is not great, Bob, as you (laughs) said at the top. Uh, So. I mean, that to me is the, is the biggest X factor in the game. Uh, and that on top of, you know, the way they performed in that game against the worst team in the NFL uh, right now. Uh, and beyond that, I mean, the only other betting advice I can give you is Pittsburgh is one in four against the spread after a win. So I'm going to take Minnesota. I'm with you. Uh, I'm also going to take Minnesota here. I, look, I think Minnesota has been so up and down all year that it's just when they go one direction, the next week I expect them to go the opposite direction. Like it's been, and normally that's flawed logic and it still is kind of flawed logic, right? It's like the betters uh, fallacy, right? If you flip a coin and it's heads, then the next time it's more likely to be tails. That's not necessarily true. It's still 50, 50 every single time. Um, and and I, I think there's part of that here. Doing that math. <laughs> well, I, it's an example, but that the better's fallacy or gambler's fallacy, whatever they call it, is like an actual thing. It's that a sense of like, oh, well, they're due. Well, it's like that doesn't really have anything to, to do with this. And it's better with a, a gambling thing where it has bigger odds than just 50-50. I get it. Um, but they've just they've proven that to be true all year. I think you lose to Detroit and, and you realize, look, like Detroit is just they were going to win a game eventually. Someone was going to be on the receiving end of it. And, and I'll say this too. I think Mike Zimmer's coaching for his job right now. So if, if you're going to come out for a win, you have to have it here. You have to have it. Uh, Big Ben's been more inconsistent than the, the Minnesota Vikings offense has been. And, and I get they're playing in a dome, which might help Big Ben a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't see the Steelers putting up a ton of points. Maybe something's been fixed here. Um, but Minnesota just they have to bounce back. I, I just think they absolutely I think they have to. Um you know, I'm gonna change I changed my pick. I'm using Ooh, my scratch. The old on cross the first out. Round. First scratch. Wow. I'm, I'm using it early because I it's a read option record, folks. Yeah, honestly, it, it might be. Um, but that goes to show how hard this game is to pick. Uh I no, I just I, I forgot Adam Thielen's out. I don't know. The Steelers offense has actually looked somewhat better over the last couple of weeks not great by any means um but they seem to come away with it and the vikings aren't great at stopping the run and maybe this is a big Najee harris game i think this is the first steelers national game they've had all year they might have played a monday night game fuck it give me the steelers it's three points 
I, I don't know. Maybe it's close. Maybe the Vikings come out and roll, but I don't know. I, I think when you realize that your coach is coaching for his job, it, it changes a little bit with how the team kind of comes out. And, and I don't know. Either that loss to Detroit is galvanizing or it ends the season. I don't think it goes any other way. Um, before we get into Sunday, I do want to update everybody on our records. So last week, Scotty and I had the best betting week, at, at least picks-wise here, that we've had all season. And I didn't put any real money on it. <laughs> um, we both went 4-2 and two in college football. Uh, we both went 9-5 and five in the NFL. And so we finished 13-7. and seven. Um, And I get, hey, six games above 500. Maybe that sounds not all that impressive. Pick every game and then come to me. All right. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to Scotty. You're 29 and 34 in college football. Uh, Scott, Vito still hanged, hanging tight, 30 and 12, which is just an absurd mark. Um, I'm still convinced that's why he's he's ditched on us. Uh, and I'm 42 and 36 in college football. Really doing well with my college football picks. Uh, Scotty, you are crushing it in the NFL. 83 and 78, five games above 500, picking every game against the spread. Again, that's much better than you think, folks. If you're above 500, you're you're crushing it. Um, and and even the Sharks, like the Stanford Steves, they don't pick every game. They pick like six games a week, and they add that games to their like. season total. Yeah, yeah. games <clears throat> that they feel good about. Uh, and and they're usually around that like 60 to 65 percent if they're really really good. If they picked every single game, they would be closer to I think about where we're at. Um, Vito, 51-52, one game below 500 in the NFL. And I'm 93-95 and 95 in the NFL. Made up some serious ground, only two games below 500. So overall, Scotty, you are dead 500. 112, 112, and one. Uh, Vito's still hanging in the lead there, but he hasn't picked in six weeks. So 81, 64, and one for Vito. <laughs> and I'm four games above 500, 135, 131, and one. It's like 51 and a half percent, but I'm above 500. That's all that matters. Um, all right. Did that. Let's continue on now with our picks for Sunday. You're hearing papers ruffle. I apologize. Uh, Baltimore going to Cleveland, Baltimore off of a bad loss, still in first place in the AFC East or AFC North. Um, Cleveland six and six coming off of a bye week, expecting them to be a little bit healthier. I think that was a much needed buy for that team for Baker Mayfield. The Browns are a two and a half point favorite at home and their playoff hopes are Weird. still alive. They're still alive. Uh, you know, they're only two games behind the Ravens right now. They get Baltimore again, uh, this week, um, pulling up the remainder of the Brown schedule, but it's not impossible considering the way that the AFC North has kind of been this year. So we, if you're the Browns, you have home against the Ravens, home against the Raiders. They do have to go to the Packers, which sucks. Um, but then they get at Steelers, home against the Bengals to close out. It's a tough remaining schedule. Definitely not impossible. There's a few wins on there. I would expect Cleveland probably finishes around nine and eight is where I would see it. Uh, but this game is, is an important one for the Browns. I think they know it. They know they need to pull off a win. And they're actually relatively healthy for the first time in a while. I really like Cleveland in this game. I think their defense, you know, I know they struggled against Baltimore a couple of weeks ago, but Cleveland's a good defense and the Ravens are a mess right now. Uh, I watched a great breakdown uh, of Dan, Dan Orlovsky did about the, the Ravens where they're sending zero blitz against Baltimore a lot. And 
it's been happening now for six straight weeks that defenses are just sending zero blitz against Baltimore and they have not come up with any answers to it. And I don't expect that to change this week because they're going up against better pass rushers. They're going up against better cornerbacks uh, than you would see in, in Pittsburgh. And I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball because Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa is one of the few athletes out there that can actually kind of run around and, and at least try to slow down Lamar. So Lamar has to completely take over this game. I don't think he will. This game's in Cleveland. It's going to be pretty cold. It's like 40 degrees, not super cold. Uh, give me the Browns to cover two and a half. Yeah, so we always talk about the quarterback advantage in close games like this, especially when you're on the road, especially given this point in the season. Lamar is straight up a better quarterback and more healthy, by the way, uh, than Baker Mayfield. So um, I'm, I would, that alone let, leans me to Baltimore. But look, if Jeremiah Owusu-Kormo is going to be spying Lamar all day, then watch out for Lamar to just dump the ball off to Mark Andrews and have a monster day. Uh, so I'm going to take Baltimore, actually, on the road two and a half. They need to get right game. All right. Already two in and we're disagreeing. I love it. Uh, Jacksonville. The pitiful Jaguars going to Tennessee. Tennessee's an eight and a half point favorite here. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in this line right away. Uh, I know Tennessee's not been great, uh, but they're also coming off of a bye. Uh, I have the injury report here for the league. I'm going to try to scroll down to where Tennessee's at because they're struggling with injuries too. Uh, I know A.J. Brown, I believe, is still on IR. I think he has one more game before he's eligible to come back. Let's look right here. Julio Jones, IR, is still. Oh, he's he's coming back though. He's, he, yeah, he's on the say, return he, list, so he should be playing. Perfect, and he practiced on Wednesday as well. Uh, AJ Brown, he's been on IR still. He's not in this game. Um, man, some of the injuries, man. Bud Eric Henry on, is Bud Dupree. Oh uh, yeah, he's expected to rejoin. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, Bud Dupree, no, he's out. Yeah, man. the big one is Janoris Ooh. Jenkins. Man. Jackrabbit Jenkins, you mean? Legally changed yeah. his name to Jackrabbit, which is one of that's my, insane, <laughs> which is hilarious. But ESPN size is Janoris. Um, so they missed some time, but I think there, there's a chance he might end up play. He's listed as questionable as of now. Even with all of this, like and all the injuries and everything, if you get Julio Jones back, that helps. Uh, Westbrook, who was this wide receiver who came out of nowhere, is actually a pretty good player. He's fun to watch. He's made some really impressive catches. He's had uh, multiple 10-catch games this season, even before A.J. Brown got hurt. So if you have Julio, Westbrook's there. Uh, Ferkser is a solid tight end. The offensive line stayed relatively healthy. The defense, that's the one nice thing here. Is like the defense is banged up, but you're playing Jacksonville. So your defense doesn't have to be you know, at its best level to beat the Jaguars. You don't have to be fully healthy. Uh, and this the running back room that they found in Tennessee uh, to, to kind of replace – you know, Derek Henry, I'm blanking yeah. on the, on the Hilliard. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, the mini, the mini Derek Henry there who looks, he is funny. He does look like mini De Derek Henry with the dreads coming out the back and everything too. Uh, they've been able to run the ball pretty well. And I think they're going to be able to continue to run against Jacksonville, which will help the play action. You'll be able to get Ryan Tannehill out in space, have Julio back. You have Westbrook. I think eight and a half is a low number here, especially coming off of the bye. Uh, and, and Tennessee, they're feeling the pressure right now of Indianapolis coming up behind them. Give me the Titans here to roll. I think they win by two touchdowns. No way, man. No. Wow. Eight and a half. 
is a huge number, number one. Number two is <laughs> Jacksonville moved the ball so well the first time they played. Now, granted, they lost 37-19 to 19 to the Titans at home. It was like week three or four, something like that. Um, but they moved the ball really well. They had 454 total yards, only two turnovers, and one of those was, was a scoop and score for the Titans. So uh, that's a huge number a bunch of injuries for the Titans. Their offense is nowhere near what they were. Tannehill was a shell of himself. Even if you get Julio Jones back, he's got to kick off the rust. Um, and the Jags, like I said, moved the ball all game last, last time they played each other and they've been doing it really well in the past couple of weeks. So uh, I'm all the season long ATS number against the spread numbers, say take Tennessee. I'm going to take Jacksonville for the value here. I don't know. Eight and a half is not that much, man. I know it's it's a two it's two possessions. I just I, I have zero faith in Jacksonville right now. Zero. And I, I talk about a team that's quit on their head coach. I mean, Jacksonville doesn't even want to show up and play in half of these games. But I I look, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be like shocked if it happened. I'd be a little surprised uh if Jacksonville comes out and like is able to move the ball, but that offense has been stagnant. And also, you know, what are they? Their number one option at wide receiver is like their third string wide receiver right now in Jacksonville. I mean, Tavon Austin's getting looks still. I didn't even realize Tavon Austin was still in the league. You got LaVisca, you've got uh, Marvin or uh, Marvin Jones Jr. They've all been in and out of the lineups though with injuries. Okay. They're all right. Eight and a half. I don't know. James Jack. Robinson's taking a big step back. Yeah. I don't know. Don't love it. All right, uh, Vegas and Kansas City. This game's in Kansas City. Uh, this line, talk about points. Kansas City's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't know where all of this love for Kansas City is coming from. They didn't the – off, the offense didn't look good. And do I believe that it's impossible for the, everything to click and come back by the time the playoffs come around? No, I, I do. But at some point, you are who you are. We've seen Kansas City be this all year. And do the Raiders have a great defense? No. But the Raiders' offense can put up points. The Chiefs' defense has been really good over the last few weeks. Like, not just, like, kind of good. Like, they've been close to the top 10 defense in the last few weeks. But they also haven't played any electric offenses. They haven't played any offenses that can move the ball as well as the the Raiders can. And you're going to give them nine and a half. I get they're at home. One o'clock game. It's the. It's going to be fifty degrees. It's going to be a lovely day in Kansas City. This is Raiders all day. Give me the points. The Raiders are going to cover this. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm with you, man. They they played so poorly last week against Washington. They need to get right themselves. I I the the only question mark I have is if Darren Waller plays. This is a no brainer to me at nine and a half. If you can get it. Uh, if he doesn't, I think I still take the Raiders. Look, Mahomes. Last week, or uh, yeah, Mahomes last week didn't throw a single touchdown pass against a good Broncos defense. The Raiders' defense is no slouch. Uh, it was the third time I think this year uh, he Mahomes has had no touchdowns with one or more interceptions. Uh, Mahomes threw five touchdown passes against the Raiders in their first meeting, which was on the road in Vegas. But I think he looks more like the the Mahomes of the of the no touchdown one interception variety. Maybe probably a little bit better than that. But uh, aside from that, I mean, uh, 
gambling numbers, Chiefs are three and ten against the spread in their last thirteen games at Arrowhead. Vegas is uh, it's still weird to say Vegas. The Vegas Raiders are five and one in their last six as a road underdog. Give me the Raiders. I mean, Denzel Perryman through this point, how many games they played? Twelve games. Do you know how many tackles Denzel Perryman has? One hundred and thirty-three. That's insane. He's on pace for 160 tackles this season. Good Lord. All right. Yannick Ngakwe, eight sacks. Mason, uh, uh, Max Crosby. I almost said Mason Crosby. Max Crosby. He's got nine or eight sacks. Like, I know that the secondary is not great, but the, the Chiefs offensive line is still a problem. And they're going up against two really good edge rushers. I think they're going to have a hard time getting the ball. I think they're going to have to run it. And I don't think they're going to be able to. And even though the Raiders secondary is a little weak, I don't know if they're going to have enough time. I think they're going to make life really tough. I, I think the Chiefs probably still win. I don't think the Raiders uh, pull the upset off. I wouldn't be shocked if they did. But that nine and a half, I, I, basically a 10-point win for the Chiefs here, I, I think that's too much. I, I, I just I don't know why people trust Kansas City this much. I really don't. Unless the defense has an unreal day at a pick six, something like that for the Chiefs. Um, I mean, Daniel Sorensen had that pick six that was huge on Sunday night. You mm-hmm. know, if, if, if he doesn't have the 75-yard pick six, probably looks like a completely different game. And, and, and even still, it was only ended up being what? It was 22-10, to 10, right, was the final? Four game, 22-9, yeah. 22-9. So it was – they won by, you know, 13 at home on Sunday night football. This is a beautiful weather. Arrowhead Stadium, one o'clock kick. I, th- this just, I don't know, nine and a half seems way too much. I don't know why Vegas. And you know what? This is also the time of year where Vegas takes advantage of dumb betters. This is the time of year where they like know. Like the Raiders that, or? No, like the Chiefs. Like no. people who are betting on the Chiefs. Like they know that the public is starting to be like, oh, but the Chiefs, man, they're eight and four. They've won a few in a row. They figured things out, but they haven't. The offense is still as stagnant as it was before. And outside of that game against Philly, which, again, is a joke because Philly's defense, especially then, was horrible. Come on. What are we talking about? Um, Saints and Jets, a game I don't think anybody cares about. Uh, New Orleans, five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Uh, both teams are going in opposite directions, or opposite directions is what they want to, than what they want to be doing. Both teams are playing poorly. I will say that there was a little bit of juice from the Jets in that game against Philly last week. The offense came out well, uh, but I think this the Saints defense is a lot better than the Eagles. And I don't know. I I guess, you know, not Denzel Ward. Marshawn Lattimore is out there. I, I don't like New Orleans offense at all, but the Jets defense is really, really bad. I'm going to take the Jets to cover the five and a half. Ooh. I, I just, I don't know. The Jets have this, you know, tendency to just kind of pop up and, and, and play really hard in random games. Uh, Sala was furious during the Eagles game, especially with some of the officiating stuff. I think he's got, I think he's going to absolutely rip into this team this week. So uh, yeah, give me, uh, give me the Jets to cover this, the five and a half. No, Saints. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints. They've had a couple of hard they, – they lost by, what, two points in the two games before Thanksgiving and then, um, you know, two tough games against really good teams in primetime against the uh, Bills on Thanksgiving night 
and uh, against Dallas last Thursday. Uh, I just, the, the Jets made Gardner Minshew look like Patrick Mahomes of old hey, uh, last hey, week hey, against the Eagles. Don't, so, speak, don't speak poorly of the stash. I'm not. Speaking I'm, a little, you're speaking a little poorly of the stash. No, I said they made him look. Why, wouldn't imply, you want to be compared imply, to Patrick Mahomes? No, but you're implying that it was the Jets' defense that made him look good and not the fact that Gardner Minshew might just actually be good. You're right. He's not. Uh, uh, so he I'm. Good. He's all right. Serviceable backup. If, like probably no, best. If you're, all right. Finish your point. No, th- we're going to do this right now. The teams Uh-oh. right now that would rather have Gardner Minshew than their starting quarterback. Let's go through the list. Okay. Steelers instead of Big Everyone Ben right now. Playoffs. Steelers yeah. instead of Big Ben right now with that defense. Yes, absolutely. The Browns with Minshew instead of Baker Mayfield. I don't right want to do now. this this way because there's obviously most teams out of the playoff. Give me the playoff teams that you'd rather have Gardner Minshew as your quarterback than. Well, I mean, we don't know who's in the playoffs right now. Uh, right now, playoffs for, for right now. The Browns for this. I'm saying for the 2021 yeah. season. If you could have started your season with Baker or started your season with Gardner Minshew based off of what we've seen out of Baker, I would probably rather have Gardner Minshew. Fair. I'll give you that. Um, Tennessee, no. I'd probably rather have Tannehill. Raiders, no. Chiefs, no. Saints, you kidding me? With how, and I get it, Jameis got yeah, hurt. Saints, that's the other the one. Saints, absolutely. Would love to have Gardner yeah. Minshew. So, uh, Washington football team, would rather have Gardner Minshew than Taylor Henning. Uh Carolina Panthers. I don't know. Carolina Panthers would rather have Gardner Minshew. Uh, I would say 49ers. I'd rather have Jimmy. Den- Denver. I'd rather have Gardner Minshew than yeah. Teddy Two Gloves. Yeah. The True. Giants. All right. So Gardner Minshew's better. Anyway, the point is the Jets' defense that's is it. not that's great. That's a team. But just saying. <laughs> the Jets' defense is not great, and I don't think they have enough to stop Taysom Hill, who's a dual threat. I mean, he had – over yeah, he did look pretty good last week. Yeah, passing. He had 365 total yards from scrimmage last week, I believe. Yeah, because uh, he was over 100 yards rushing against a pretty decent uh, defense in Dallas. So I'm going to take the Saints. All right, and also in uh, in in honor of Swamp Man's debut album. Oh, Sauce Way Finesse. Let's go. go, Polaroid. Check it out wherever you can get your music. Check it out on Spotify. Uh, Cowboys, Washington Football Team. This game is in Landover, Maryland. Dallas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a tough one to pick here. Uh, Washington's been on a, a bit of a tear here. And the one thing that's actually making me kind of lean Washington is Mike McCarthy all but guaranteed a win. Oh, this week. no. He said, we are going to win at Washington this week. This is it, man. This is, We've been waiting for the Mike McCarthy – screw up Mm -hmm. the season and i think we're about to hit it because we are entering the civil war of the nfc east because each of the four teams is playing each other at least like 85 times over the next five weeks so there's also some rumblings that kellen moore is one of the favorites to be the next head coach at the university of oregon oh i like that i love it too i think that would be i like that i think that'd be an awesome hire for oregon also Ooh. would love it because it would get him out of the Cowboys. And he would also most likely leave before the season's over. I would love that. Um, but even still, I mean, the Washington Washington football team's defense is finally starting to look a bit like what we thought. They're also getting Montez Sweat back this week. 
after mm-hmm. he broke his jaw like four weeks ago, like crazy that he's already coming back. Um, they're able to run the ball really well, which we saw. Like, I, I think I'm not saying the result's going to be the same, but I think we see a similar kind of outcome to when Dallas played Denver, right? You're playing a good defense, a team that can run the ball, uh, a team that, and the one thing too is Washington's ability to keep the ball away from, uh, you know, the, the opposing offense is spectacular. And so a couple of stops, a couple of turnovers, Dallas is only a four and a half point favorite. So I still think, you know, picking Dallas is not a bad pick. Like, I do think there's a real chance that Dallas ends up coming in and winning this game handily because they need to. But give me the Washington football team. I'm going to take them to yeah. cover the four and a half. And I'll, I'll say this. I think they win the game. Ooh, see, I like Dallas money line, but I like the four and a half. So, uh, like, look, like you nailed it all. Their defense is is playing much better. They're figuring out the run game. They just lost Logan Thomas for the rest of the year, which is unfortunate because he had just come back from an injury uh, to his hamstring, and now he's, he's got a knee injury that is going to sideline him for the year. Might get him back for the playoffs. We'll see. Um, but they have Ricky Seals-Jones serviceably so um, uh, to fill that role. And we said on Tuesday's pod, what is happening with the Cowboys' offense? No idea. And they're banged up. Uh, Zeke's banged up. Tony Pollard, I just learned today, tore a plantar fascia on that 58-yard touchdown running out on Thursday. So he's a game-time decision. Washington beat Dallas twice last year to win the division at 7-9. and They're 4-1 and against the spread in the last five. Give me the football team. All right. We're both on Washington. Which means, of course, you I know, don't the, like. Yeah, Kansas City's <laughs> going to blow out the Raiders, and and <laughs> Dallas is going to blow out Washington. Whenever you know, we're both confident on a pick like that. Uh, Atlanta and Carolina. Uh, Not much here, Chief. <laughs> Carolina's a two and a half point favorite. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything. I, Do you want my notes? My Atlanta's notes looked easy. better. Atlanta's looked better, at least. Like, I, yeah. I think even in their – yeah, Carolina had that one kind of out-of-the-blue win against Arizona. But the Falcons have played better football. And they hung in with Tampa Bay for the for the through the majority of that game. I don't think Carolina would be able to do that, and we'll see that in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to take the Falcons. What, is, what are your notes for this game? My notes are easy. Carolina just lost by choice. They fired him. The one thing about that offense that would have brought long-term success in Joe mm-hmm. Brady – Atlanta is four and two against the spread after a loss. Give me the Falcons. Mm-hmm. All right. We're both on it. Atlanta. <laughs> hey, we both picked a lot of the same games last week and it ended up being great for us. Like I said that last week, like either we're both going to have great weeks or we're both going to be miserable next week. We hey, both had good weeks. So you're a pretty smart guy there, Jeff. <laughs> I am a pretty smart guy. You should listen to me more often. See how I spun that around? Because you were like, yeah. oh, because I was listening to you. The old you didn't bait say and that. switch. And yeah. I, yeah, I, I did the bait <laughs> and switch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well played. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a wordsmith. It's almost like I do this for a living. <laughs> um, Seattle and Houston. Another one that's just like vomit. Um, I hate this game. Seattle's eight, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite, which I know they looked good against San Francisco, but that does seem like a lot of points, doesn't it? Eight-and-a-half? It does, yeah. Um, I think Russ finally started to look healthy. Uh, the whole team's actually started to get a little bit healthier. 
Houston is, is, I mean, they had their big wins. They had their big fight moment when they almost knocked off the Patriots. Just think about that. Within this winning streak that the Patriots have had, I think it started with them almost losing to, to Houston. Yeah, because they had lost to Dallas on the Sunday night game. Yeah. And then the next week they played Houston and almost lost. And then they ended up coming back and winning that game relatively easily. Um, I'm actually going to take Seattle here. I think Russ, uh, say what you will about him, corny, weird, annoying, all that stuff, and it's all super valid. Um, but the dude wants nothing more than to win football games. And so even within a, in a season where, the, hey, playoffs are out of the question um, and, and he's been banged up and hasn't played his best, you know that's just eating him alive. So I think they come out and, and I think they win big here. I, I, I'm going to take them to win by uh, at least two touchdowns and cover the eight and a half pretty easily. Yeah, and I think that was a, a a fighter's chance game that they put themselves in against uh, against the Niners last week, and they ended up coming out on the other side, the victor. So, um, you know, maybe not all hope is lost, and then you go into a week against one of the worst uh, offenses in the NFL. Uh, Seattle's run defense has not been phenomenal by by any means, and we saw that particularly in the first half against the Niners last week, and among of course, all season. Um, but they found a way to stuff the Niners in the second half. So if they can get um, they can get more of the same in that run defense, uh, just I, I don't think Houston is talented enough by any means. I mean, Rex Burkhead is probably going to be the leading rusher with like Yeah, if they cut Philip so. Lindsay. They traded yeah. Mark Ingram, which what happened to Philip Lindsay? Like, it's amazing how there's some running backs who put up production and, and then still somehow get cut. And then you like, never hear from them again. Like guys like Josh Adams, like Josh Adams led the Eagles in rushing in 2019. And then they never really used him again. He was like third string running back on the roster to guys like Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood. And then all of a sudden he's on, he's like barely making practice squads. And I'm like, I, I just, I don't get it. Like 500 rushing yards. And he only started in like seven games. Like, how is that dude not getting a chance to play? I've, I felt the same way about Philip Lindsay. He was awesome in Denver when he got the chance. And, you know, uh, running behind that offensive line in Houston, and the fact that no one's picked him up either is really surprising. So, um, yeah, Houston, they're they're well on their way down the toilet. Um, all right, 4 o'clock window. I'm actually going to pair these two games, the two 405 kickoffs, because they're both exactly 10-point spreads. And one of these two teams, I'm convinced – is going to either win or at least make it a really close game. And so you have Detroit at Denver, 10-point underdog, and then you have the Giants at the Chargers, who are also a 10-point underdog. Uh, I feel pretty good about one of these two setups, but I want you to go first. Which of these teams do you think covers the spread, or do you think neither of them do? Both. Ooh! You think Detroit? Oh, I'm sorry. Just one. Just one. I'm sorry. I read my notes incorrectly. Yeah, just one covers the spread, and that is the New York Football Giants. Oh, we disagree here. Yeah, Jack, I, uh, Jake Fromm, like Jake, Jake Fromm, a quarterback. Jake Fromm, <laughs> how about sucks, that, dude? Yeah, but that's okay. But that's fine. So now you're going to rely on handing the ball off more in against a defense who is atrocious against the run. Saquon's going to have an absolute breakout game. I think both uh, him and Devontae Booker are up over 100 total scrimmage yards by themselves. You can book that. The Chargers are missing Keenan Allen 
and Mike Williams on offense. Both have been put on the COVID list, so they are relying on Jalen Guyton and Josh Powers as their best receiver and Jared Cook as their best receiving options. The Chargers are two and five against the spread in their last seven, one and four in their last five when they're the favorite. I am taking the Giants. You just made an unbelievable case. You you just that's one of the best arguments you've made on this podcast ever. Like seriously, like top to bottom, flawless, flawless take. I I, I, abs- <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so I was gonna take Detroit to cover mm-hmm. the 10 against Denver. Uh, and now I'm thinking that maybe both teams cover the spread here. The one caveat is Mike Lennon. Uh, sorry, Mike Lennon's out. It's Jake Fromm. So they, they're going to have to score. Um, and the Chargers' run defense was pretty good last week against the Cincinnati Bengals, who had been running the ball at a really high level going into that game. Giants' offensive line is terrible. Uh, Joey Bosa like is looking like he's going to play. He was in concussion protocol in mid-game last week, but they cleared him. So he's healthy. He's been practicing. He should be a full go against the Giants. Uh, the one guy you didn't mention that is still there for the Chargers is Austin Eckler. And my guess is they're going to split him out at wide receiver a lot in this game and keep Justin mm-hmm. Jackson or whoever, whatever, Joshua Kelly, whatever running backs they have there. Is Justin Jackson even still on the Chargers? I think so. I think so. Um, but who Probably Joshua Kelly. Uh, they'll keep him – you know, in the backfield and they'll use Austin Eckler out of the slot because you can do that with him. You can use him as a slot guy. Uh, Guyton is a great deep threat. We saw him make that awesome catch last week against Cincinnati on the deep touchdown. Um, I've thought for a while that he's been underrated. He was, he's an awesome like daily fantasy player. Like when I was doing a lot of daily fantasy last year, which I've done like none of this year, now that we can actually just, you know, bet on games. Um, like Guyton, was always a guy you could get for cheap who was a deep threat, was like a long shot potential for touchdowns. Uh, maybe a little uh, Donald Parnell. I love Parnell Jr. He's a nice little receiving option. Um, or Parham, whatever his name is. Uh, I I just don't believe in Jake Fromm, dude. Jake Fromm's never started an NFL game. He was an oh, he was a bad college quarterback. I know he played, got to the national championship, but they didn't get Georgia didn't get to that national championship because of Jake Fromm. They got there because they had Nick Chubb and because they had Sony Michelle and they had unbelievable running backs. Uh, he has by far the least amount of arm strength and arm talent of any quarterback I've ever seen in the NFL. The dude could barely throw the ball fifty yards in college. I, I doubt all of a sudden he's going to be able to throw it deep now. What is this guy? You got your hand up. I'm just saying, my Giants pick Kirk at the Braymar Safeway. That one's for you. <laughs> Shout out to our man Kirk. We haven't brought him up in a while. Hope I hope he's <laughs> doing good. I hope he's still listening to the pod. Uh, I'm going to take the Chargers, even though you made an unbelievable argument. Um, I think it's a trap game. I think it's a trap game. I think the argument. <laughs> I think I think all of that is. I love setting, that take too. <laughs> all of that is setting it up to be like this is the Giants are going to come in and do this. Not so fast, my friend. Um, and then Detroit, uh, I don't trust the Broncos' offense at all. I don't trust Teddy Teddy Two Gloves at all. Uh, the the passing game with that talent at wide receiver between Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant, the fact that they're not able to, to – and, and even Javante Williams, who was good out of the backfield catching the ball at UNC, they've not used him at all in the passing game. Um, Detroit's been decent at stopping the run, not great. 
Obviously, they've had a couple of down games, like the Philly game, some other games. But as a whole, I think they're going to ride that high from last week, go into this game. Uh, and the one thing that you can do against Denver is you can run the ball. And if you don't test, you know, the outside guys, you don't test Patrick Sertan and Darby and all the other guys they have back there, you can move the ball pretty well against the Broncos uh, offense. I still think the Broncos win, but I think it's a one score game. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions. Yeah. I, I mean, that's fine. Um, they've got a whole lot of momentum coming in with uh, the win. Um, but Detroit is bad or Denver is battling for a playoff spot. Uh, and, and they've got a whole lot more to play for. So is uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Denver is the eighth best overall defense, uh, allowing 325 and a half yards per game, playing the 29th ranked offense uh, in the Lions which is surprising that they're 29 and not 32. Um, Sneaky better than you think. Uh, yeah, Detroit averaging 380 total yards of offense per game. I just... The, to me, the, the, the one tipping point is that Denver is averaging double digits in each of their six wins in the past year. This, to me, feels like if you're going to take Denver to win the game... Um, then, then you pick Denver to cover the spread here. Uh, each of their six wins, they've had, I think the average is 14.3 points uh, the, per game that they've won by. Um, so uh, just, just to me, all of that, argument. and, and they're two and, one, uh, two and one against the spread uh, at home, or on the road, rather. So uh, I'll take Denver. Denver's at home this week. Oh, well, there's also over 500 on at home so denver they've also they're three and three at home and they're three and three on the road another team that's tough to predict week in week out but that's i mean that's kind of what it's like betting in the nfl sometimes too uh san francisco your niners i'm really excited for this mm -hmm. game the two 425 games are great uh san francisco going to cincinnati uh san francisco needs a win cincinnati wins a win needs a win both teams need it bad niners a little more banged up uh it looks are like they, well, Joe Burrow's got that pinky situation, which it seems as though it's better this week, but it's definitely going to hurt their passing game a little bit. Uh, Joe Mixon's banged up as well, which can hurt them in the running game. Um, and, and we've seen with the Niners in the past that, you know, they can move the ball with a bunch of different running backs. It doesn't just have to be one guy. Uh, San Francisco scored a lot of, you know, scored. Like the, the, the offense wasn't the problem in, in the Seattle game. You know, they were kind of going touchdown for touchdown with them. And obviously the one fake punt was – was killer for, for San Francisco against Seattle last week. Um, but Cincinnati has been one of those teams that anytime they, they have a, you know, a loss, especially a game like that, where it really felt like they were getting back into that game. And I thought Joe Burrow was going to come back and make a unbelievable comeback after they were down. Was it 17, nothing or whatever it was. Um, I, I like Cincinnati a little bit here. It's a one and a half point spread. The Niners are favored by a point and a half. So we're basically going with a pick them here. Uh, I think Cincinnati pulls it out. It's at home. Uh, they Again, they, they've been able to bounce back, and Joe Burrow's the kind of guy, it's like, hey, you know, I'm banged up. we got a team that's a little banged up. Well, we're, we're going to show you. And the strength of Cincinnati has been in the passing game. I know they've been able to run the ball when they need to, but a lot of that's because you're worried about getting beat deep with, you know, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and those guys. Uh, and even with the, the blown-up, swollen finger on the pinky, 
he was still able to throw the ball pretty well. I would expect that he's going to be a little bit better this week. Uh, or maybe it's like a Russell Wilson thing where it's just, he, he doesn't quite get the same grip on the ball, but uh, maybe it's against my better judgment, but I'm going to take the Bengals here to win. You're not going to have to work that hard to get the ball out to your receivers. That the Niners secondary is absolutely freaking decimated. Yeah. I, I mean, look, they had, they were, we talked about it on Tuesday's pod. They had rookie, uh, uh, I forget his first name, Lenore, covering DK Metcalf last week. It was just awful. Josh Norman was one on one with Tyler Lockett. Awful. Expect T. Higgins and Jamar Chase to go absolutely off this game. I think it's way more than one and a half. I don't like the Niners on the road anyway. And they're th- just three and two in their last five against the spread. I'm taking the Bengals too. Ooh. I got to go back and look at my my record when I picked the Niners. I don't think it's very good, just like off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Bengals this week. All right. Rematch of the uh, of the Super Bowl from when I was born. There you go. Oh wow! How funny is that? So yeah. telling somebody that nice. telling somebody that who was born after like 2000, they'd be like, mm. "What are you talking? The Bengals and the Niners? Joe Montana the Super Bowl? Yeah, it was Boomer and Boomer and Joe." Um, the other 425 matchup, 33, 23, pro- sorry. probably the game of the week, the Buffalo bills coming off of, um, a demoralizing loss to kind of put it mildly against, uh, new England going against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are a perfect five and zero at home this year. Uh, the bills finally getting to play a little bit of warm weather. It's going to be 78 and sunny in Tampa Bay this weekend. A tough life. <laughs> uh, Right now, Tampa Bay is a three and a half point favorite. Um, I know Tampa Bay has won a bunch of games in the row on a row, eh, but I it's been a lot closer than I think people realize. Like that Atlanta game was a lot closer than people realize. And Buffalo is still a really good team. Uh, they still have the talent. And the one area where it seems you, you know, teams have been able to go after Tampa Bay has been in the secondary because there's a lot of questions about that secondary. You're going to get a lot of stuff on digs. You're going to get a lot of Cole Beasley. You're going to get a lot of Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Dawson Knox is, is kind of, you know, since he's been back, he's been a little quiet. I think he's going to get an opportunity. And Buffalo's not going to need to worry about running the ball uh, because they're not going to be able to against Tampa Bay. And, and maybe we see a little more, you know, Josh Allen scrambling around, making some plays on their own. Uh, this just screams to me Buffalo upset, you know, bounce back game. Tampa Bay on the mm. other side, right? You got Tampa Bay. They're cruising. I said before the season, they're going to lose four or five games. They're still probably going to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. And I think that that continues to happen this, this week. And I think this is one of those losses where it's like, hey, you know what? It's a loss. It's a close game. Uh, but I think Buffalo comes up on top, especially getting a chance to go down to some warm weather. We haven't really seen Buffalo be able to sling it in a while, and I think they're going to get to do that this week against a banged-up secondary in Tampa Bay. So give me the Buffalo Bills to cover and to win outright. I I think there's some value here. I think if you're going to look at the money line, you're going to get better odds. Uh, Or Buffalo's, you know, this is like, this is it for Buffalo. You're either going to be a threat in the playoffs or you're not. And if if, if you're going to do it, this is the week to show out and do it. I know no Tredavious White hurts. Um, but they still have some good guys in that secondary. And, and I think they're going to be able to slow down the running game too, because even just despite the 32 rushes and all that, they still held the Patriots to only 14 points. And I think, but, I think we see 
Buffalo to win this game. They have not faced a dynamic running back at the level of Leonard Fournette the way he's playing this year. So yeah, if they're I, going, he's not dynamic though. Like he's getting he's like good he's getting like he's been catching the ball a little bit, which but still like I I would list off ten running backs before I would trust Leonard Fournette catching the football. And I get it; he had the one handed catch. He's caught more out of the backfield this year, but he's not. It's not his strong suit. And even running between the tackles, Tampa Bay doesn't like to do that. I, I, I don't know. I'm not worried about Leonard Fournette in this game. I know he's been, he's been awesome, especially in the last like month, he's been on a tear, but that's not who he's been for the majority of the season. I think he's riding a heater and I think it gets put out this week. It doesn't. So they're going to utilize him. They've got the best wide receiver duo. Even if you don't have Antonio Brown on the field, which they won't for this game, he's serving the second game of his third suspension or a three game suspension. Uh, they still have the best wide receiver duo, I think, in the NFL in uh, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They are 4-0 in their last four at home, 5-2 against the spread against their 5-2 against the spread in their last seven against opponents with winning records, which the Bills are. Give me the bucks. All right. We will we'll see here. I mean, I I, I don't know, man. This is just one team's a lot more desperate than the other. Tampa Bay has their division locked up. They're going to get home field for that first round. And honestly, like they're right there because at the standings, I think they have the same record as green Bay because green Bay was on a yeah. bye last week. So they finally, yeah. so they finally caught up. Um, so not to say that they don't have anything to play for, cause they definitely do, but one team's going to be a lot more desperate than the other one. And the bills right now are the seventh seed. If the season ended today, Buffalo needs this win. And Sean McDermott's a great coach, I think, to, to kind of get that, um, to kind of get that out of him. Uh, Sunday night, Chicago Bears going to Green Bay. They are a twelve and a half point favorite. Um, I'm looking here; it doesn't look like Justin Fields is on the injury report. He's not. He is supposed to be playing. All right, so we're getting Justin Fields back this week, which is good news for Bears fans. That's uh, what but, you want. You got to face the Green Bay defense uh, as on the as road. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, um, his first as, game at Lambeau. <laughs> as Aaron Rodgers astutely told us, he owns the Chicago Bears. Emphatically, he Big told gosh. us <laughs> that he owns Chicago. He owns the Bears. The Packers coming off of a bye week, they're getting healthy. Jair Alexander, uh, I believe, is expected to play as well. First game for him coming back which is huge for that defense. I'm going to see if I can pull up his exact status. Uh, uh, he was designated to return on Wednesday. So uh, it, expect to see Jair Alexander, um, Devonte Adams healthy, David Bakhtiari is listed as questionable. Um, hopeful that he will be able to return. This was um, last Monday, but Matt LaFleur said he's hopeful that Bakhtiari returns, which is big too. There is just – there's nobody on the, on the Bears' defense right now that really scares you. No Khalil Mack, uh, no uh, Trevathan, Danny Trevathan. Um, I, I just don't see how the Bears really do much of anything, especially considering that the Packers' defense is only going to look better than what it's looked. And I think the offense is going to be very, very comfortable in this game. So – and no, it's a big number, but – I just think that highly of Green Bay. I think Green Bay comes out. I think they cover the 12 and a half. The Bears are not good. Uh, so 
look, man, Rodgers owns them 21 and five wow. in his career in 26 games wow. against Chicago. What is, uh, what is that? 57 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. 107.7 QBR against the Bears. That's like Tom That's Brady insane. versus Buffalo, Tom Brady versus Miami, except the Bears have been much better during this stretch than either of those teams or where yeah. Tom Brady was playing in the yeah. AFC East. Wow. Yeah. So, like, they they won by 10. It was a down game for Rodgers. He still threw for a touchdown, and he obviously rushed for one in that uh, the, uh, the noteworthy celebration after where he said, I own you, I still own you. Um, they're playing at Lambeau. The Packers are five and zero straight up in their last five. Um, they're five and zero against uh, against the spread at Lambeau. They're ten and two overall this season. Don't think twice, like when, yeah. you, when you put down this bet. It's, and the, I'll, it's and I'll, the Packers all day. I'll add one little cherry on top of that too. After Tom Brady put up monster numbers last week, the betting odds have shifted, and it looks like Tom Brady's the betting favorite as of now to win the MVP. Aaron Rodgers wants this MVP. He wants to put the voters in a position where they have no choice but to vote him as the best player this season. And <laughs> he wants to do that on Sunday night football and against do it against the Bears. The, I do it against the Chicago Bears. With four weeks to go in the season. Yeah. Absolutely. Look for Devontae out. If you if you can put in a parlay or something on Sunday night, maybe some Devontae uh, Adams yards over unders. Uh, well, I would say plus two touchdowns. Uh, yeah. If the over-under on Devontae Adams' touchdowns is one and a half, I would take that all day. Yeah. Yeah. I would um, take yeah. Take the take the Packers and take the points. All right. We're both on Green Bay here. Uh, and then lastly, our Monday night game. We have the LA Rams going to Arizona. The big one. Cardinals are only a two and a half point favorite in this game. Now we saw these teams play earlier in the season, and that was the big statement game where everyone was talking about the Rams before the Cardinals became the the front runner, right? And Arizona just beat the doors off of the Rams. But a lot's happened since then, right? Kyler Murray missed a month. Kyler Murray's been banged up. DeAndre Hopkins has been banged up. Uh, the offense looked better against Chicago last week, but they should have won that game by like twenty plus points and ended up only being eleven because of that garbage time touchdown. Fuck you, Arizona, uh, to the Bears last week. The Rams coming off of their uh, a much needed shellacking of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They beat the crap out of Jacksonville. Thirty was a thirty-seven to seven. Um, yep. I think the Rams recognize the position that they're in. I think the Rams realize that this is probably the most important game of the season for them. Uh, and I'll say this too: the Arizona defense is, despite being very good. Um, I think they've been, I don't want to say figured out, but that they can be had, right? They're not a defense that that pit, puts fear into you. They're a defense that you realize like, hey, we can actually put up, a, you know, at least some points against this team. And I think that's what we end up seeing here. Uh, over-unders at 51 and a half. I would take the over on that. Uh, right. And I think Aaron Donald, like that dude's been playing like a bat out of hell and no one's been talking about it. Did you see the strips, the strip uh, tackle he had against James yeah. Robinson last week? Yeah. Holy crap, dude. Um, Von Miller has been really good for them the last couple of weeks. He's causing havoc all over the field. Uh, but the one, the one thing that, and we, I haven't gotten into it much this year with the Rams and I kind of regret that because I always end up hearing it later in the week. I'm like, man, why didn't I talk about it on the podcast? But Jalen Ramsey doesn't necessarily play just straight up corner for the Rams. They, you, they have on their defense, what's called a star position. 
Um, and what that position does is essentially uh, think what Tyron Matthews like, right. For the, for the chiefs, he is just wherever we need you to go at the most, that's where you're going to go. And sometimes that's playing man to man against Devonte Adams, you know, and sometimes that's playing more like a safety. Sometimes that's being matched up against a, you know, a Travis Kelsey or, or a really good tight end, something like that. And Jalen Ramsey, especially with DeAndre Hopkins kind of being banged up here, they're going to be able to deploy him in a lot of different ways, but it's still only one guy. And the one thing about Arizona's offense is that it's hard to pick just one guy to stop because they have so many skill guys, but this offense still is kind of getting their act together. They're going to have a hard time running the football with just James Conner. I think the Rams win this game. I think this is a huge, huge game for LA. I think they understand that it's Monday night football. The Rams, Sean McVay have been really good on Monday night football in the past. And who knows? Maybe we get a little, uh, you know, throwing it back to that amazing Kansas city Rams, you know, Kansas city versus LA game a couple of years ago on Monday night football, uh, one of the greatest yeah, football the... games ever, you yeah. know? Uh, maybe we get a little bit like something like that in this game, but I think the Rams end up on top. Give me LA uh, to, to pull off the win and, and to, to beat the Cardinals. So when they last played, Kyler only attempted 15 passes, but he did throw for two touchdowns. Uh, the way he played last week <clears throat> was kind of similar to that. And I think he had, I think he was 11 for 20 or something like that. 123 yards. Uh, he threw for two and he ran for two. And that's going to be the difference in the game is Kyler running mm-hmm. uh, because that's where the, the Arizona offense is the most effective. If he can run and stay healthy. Uh, like we saw a, a bruiser of a defense in green Bay injure him while he was trying to run on that Thursday night game a few weeks ago. Um, so if, if he can run and stay healthy and stay in the game, uh, I, I think that's the biggest difference. Um, yeah, he's only going to be able to ball. run if he's fully healthy right now. And he had one running touchdown against Chicago last week, which he looked. Two. He had two. He had two. Sorry. Um, the one scramble I saw, I think it was the second touchdown that he had, was a really impressive looking run. Um, yeah. But it's a different beast when you're going up against the the Rams right now. It absolutely is. No doubt. Um, and I think it, if you're going to throw the ball, this needs to be a get right game for D hop. Although I think he's going to be smothered. So you're going to have to worry about, I think Zach Ertz might have a day too. Um, if you're going to throw the ball, but mm-hmm. uh, look I, for, for the Rams, the the name of the game is going to be, is Daryl Henderson healthy? Because yeah. that's the only way you're going to start exploiting that, uh, that Arizona defense. Otherwise they're just going to drop back in coverage, force Matt Stafford to throw the ball somewhere on the outside. Uh because that's where the success has been with throwing deep balls to Van Jefferson uh, with, with Robert Woods out these days and Cooper Cup. Um, the Rams Odell are had a great f- touchdown catch against Jacksonville though. I mean, like, yeah, on that fade play, that was nasty. Yeah. That was so good. Um, I think they're figuring out ways of how they can use Odell. But the thing with this LA team too, what made them so successful in the early golf days was that they were able to run the ball consistently and work everything kind of off of that. Right. You had Todd Gurley, yeah who was in the talks for the MVP during a lot of that. And I get that Daryl Henderson isn't Todd Gurley of that year, um, but can you run the ball at four, four and a half, five yards a clip between he and Sony Michelle? I think you can do that against this, this Arizona defense. And, and two, I want to see them put those two young linebackers in, in tough situations. I want them yeah. to target those guys and, and force Zayvon Collins and force Isaiah Simmons to make plays because you don't want to challenge Buda Baker over the top, Right. You know, you want to have Van yeah, Jefferson not- force him to, to stay out of the play 
And, and yeah. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to run him on a lot of deep routes. Um, but then on the other side too, it's what your, the corners at Arizona, they've been playing well. Uh, Mer, Byron Murphy's had a really great year, mm-hmm. but no one's been able to slow down Cooper cup. And now that Odell is starting to find his role in the offense. And I, they also ran the ball pretty well last week, even without Daryl Henderson. And I get it, it was the Jaguars. I just feel like the Rams are starting to kind of get back to maybe a little bit of what they did with early Jared Goff, maybe some of the, oh, we have Matt Stafford now. We can do so many more things than we could with Goff argument is starting to kind of play itself out. It's like, actually, you kind of do need to run the ball a little bit still. Like Stafford's yeah. definitely an upgrade, but, you know, he can't do all of this on his own. Uh, and, and I think they're going to keep going. Sorry, continue. Who's your pick? Uh, you're good. LA is one and five against the spread in their last six overall, two and five in the last seven on the road. One and four in the last five against opponents with winning records. The Cardinals are eight and two in their last 10, four and oh in their last four against the, the division in the NFC West. And they are eight, one and one in the last 10 meetings against the Rams. I'm taking Arizona and I'm giving the points. It's a good pick. If you like Arizona, at, at, I mean, at only two and a half, if you're, if you're, if you think Arizona is going to win the game, the two and a half is a great number. It's a field goal. And, and now, do you think this game will be close, or do you think Arizona wins comfortably? I, I do think it'll be close. I do. I think it comes within a, a field goal or, or, you know, six six points maybe. Um, but I, I, I do think it's close. <clears throat> okay. I, I, I'm excited for that game. Um, it's a really good Monday night game. And it's a shame that they're not doing the Manning cast for it. Um, oh, what? The Manning for this cast, one? Yeah, they're not coming back until January. Oh, come on, guys. Yeah, it's disappointing. ESPN's got all the money in the world. <laughs> I think it's an Eli and Peyton thing, man. I think they only oh. wanted to sign up for 10, and I don't know. We'll see. There'll be more money thrown at them for next year, that's for sure. Maybe. What are they doing, up. Eli's places? <laughs> yeah, that was dumb. I hated that they did that, especially because Peyton was the far superior college quarterback, too. And it's like, oh, we're going to do the same thing we do with, with Peyton for the NFL stuff, but we're going to do it for college, and we're going to use Eli. I like Eli, like, posts, kind of like Romo, like, post-playing era, you know? But, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a not a huge fan. Um, I had a question I want to ask you before, before we got to the Army-Navy game, because um, I've been asking you about, you know, the who's your MVP each week. And I want to wait until Monday to ask you about this then. Um, and my question for now is, who do you think that the, who do you think win the divisions in the AFC and the NFC? And the, who are the final four teams? All so right. The, the, who's going to be in the NFC and the AFC championship games? Oh, is so you're just asking for, no, I'm asking both. I'm asking who who wins okay, each divisions. division, and then who's going to be in the AFC and the NFC championship games. Uh, divisions. You know, I'll start the AFC divisions. AFC. It's going to be the Chiefs. Um, they're going to continue their reign. Okay. Um, the AFC West. Who wins the AFC, AFC North? West. AFC North is going to be Baltimore, but barely by like a game because uh, they do play Cleveland twice and uh, Pittsburgh again uh, over the next five. Tennessee uh, in the AFC South. Sorry, sorry. AFC South next. <laughs> not even close. Tennessee, even as bad as they are, the Colts are not any Colts are seven and to... six. Yeah. If Tennessee loses, which they're playing, Houston, which I, I, I have, they playing? The no, Jets? They're playing. 
the jet no, no they're not playing the jets they already beat lost to the jets shut up they're playing jacksonville <laughs> Um, so probably not going to lose the Jackson, but okay. Yeah, no, I Tennessee in the in the AFC South, and then uh, the AFC East. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Patriots just because i I have I have Buffalo losing. This is a tough spot for Buffalo. I have them losing this week, which is just going to give them, you know, another uh, another half a game back of uh, of the Patriots who are on a bye. Um, so uh, to use a baseball term really, but, um, but yeah, uh, I, I think the Patriots are, are better suited on both sides of the ball and, and they proved it in, in a, in a game uh, on Monday night and they're going to have to play each other again, I believe uh, in the, in the next five games of the season. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think the Patriots make a statement and continue their, their dominance. I think you are correct. Uh, I agree. I think Patriots win the FC East. Uh, Tennessee's remaining schedule is easier, uh, not by a whole lot, but it is a slightly easier. So I think having that one game, you know, that two game advantage right now, or game and a half, I guess, technically, because uh, the Colts aren't a bye this week. The Colts haven't had a bye yet this season, neither the Patriots, neither the Eagles. Uh, so they're all on buys, and Miami's Col- also on buy this week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. The Colts and okay. Patriots, Eagles, Dolphins are on a bye. Uh, I agree. Um, I think the LA Chargers win the AFC West. Uh, it's a game difference right now. Kansas City has the head to head, the first head to head against, um, or the Chargers have the first head to head against Kansas City. Uh, the Chargers have a slightly easier remaining schedule. Um, and I and I think that win against Cincinnati last week was big. I think I think they found some confidence in the offense. I get. The COVID thing, but if they're able to win this week without, uh, you know, they're playing the Giants. So if they're able to win this week without, you know, uh, Mike Williams and without Keenan Allen, that's going to be huge for them. Uh, and then I think you're dead on about the Ravens. I think the Ravens win the AFC North by the skin of their teeth. Um, but I, I don't think they I, – I really want to say Cincinnati. Um let me pull real quick. Let me pull up Cincinnati's remaining schedule and see, because they're a game back from Baltimore. I got the Niners. Then they're at the Broncos home against the Ravens home against the chiefs at the Browns. That's a tough remaining schedule. That's Oof. a tough, tough remaining yeah. schedule, but if they can <laughs> hold, if they can hold serve with the Ravens and get the game, the another, another win against the Ravens. Remember they blew out Baltimore earlier this season uh, Cincinnati can be right there, but I'm with you. I think Baltimore wins. All right, NFC, NFC Division? West, who wins? Cardinals. Cardinals. NFC North. Packers. Not even close. NFC South. That that division is the most locked up right now. Yes. Of, of oh, all. definitely. NFC. Same with the NFC South. It's the uh, it's the Bucks. Yep, and the Cowboys and the NFC East too. Or Washington Football Team. Wow. Will win the NFC East. They, have, I mean, if the, if Washington wins both games against Dallas, right, hypothetically, then they would have the same record right now. And so they have the Eagles and, and the Giants too. Yeah, and then it's who can beat each other more out of that. Interesting. Uh, I think it's the four that are there: Arizona, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Dallas. Um, what four teams are in the AFC and NFC championship games? You can start with the AFC. I will go with uh, 
in the AFC, I'm going to go. I'm going to go um, Bills and Patriots only if they escape playing each other in the second round. Yeah, that you would need some luck to be on your side there, but yeah, interesting. Bills, Pats in the AFC Championship game. Yep. But you have Buffalo losing this week. I do, yeah. So a big to finish the, for Buffalo. One of the two teams that I have in the uh, – I have Buffalo losing to one of the two teams I have in the NFC Championship game because we've got a rematch between Tampa and Green Bay. The Bays. The Battle of the Bays. Which Roger, of, don't you what, say that. The the I'm sorry San Francisco Bay. Is I, I didn't realize that San Francisco <laughs> Bay was a city. That's weird. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's not, because it's San Francisco. Therefore, you're not a battle of the bay if you don't have the bay in your name. Even though I agree with you, the San Francisco Bay is, is superior. Um AFC for me, I have the Patriots and the Chiefs. Uh, I think the Chiefs defense has come along. I still don't buy into the Chiefs offense, but I think the experience uh, will, will be enough to get them there. Um, I think it's going to be tough, but I, I do think Kansas City finds a way to get back. But I think the Patriots end up playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, and then in the NFC. Could you imagine? Oh, sorry. Continue with your NFC. I, I want to see where you're at. <laughs> I have the Packers. And the Tampa Bay Bucks, same as you. I, I think yeah. we get a rematch there. Though I, if Arizona wins and wins convincingly this weekend, I'm I'll change my I will change my pick. I Fair. need to see. Could Arizona- you imagine a Tampa, Tampa Bay, and New England and New England Super Bowl? Oh, my oh God. yeah, oh yeah. I'm here for that. By the way, it betting, would be it would uh, be the most viewed Super Bowl in, in NFL history. Oh, not even close. by far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Betting, if you're into uh, futures right now, you can get the Rams and the Cowboys at plus 550 to go to the conference championship game. It's pretty good odds. I don't think it'll happen for either team. Um, That's good value for me. I'll say that, and I'll I'll add add this too. (laughs) I'll add this too. Dark horse to make the AFC championship game, the Chargers. I think the Chargers are a real You're a big Chargers fan. I've been a big Chargers fan all year. Uh, I, I do like the Chargers. And then um, the dark horse in, in the NFC is probably the Rams because the Rams have the talent to do to get there. Even without Robert Woods, um, it would be very kind of storybook, right? They've gone through a low point in the season. They lose one of their most important players, but the defense is healthy and still playing really good football. Uh, you have two of the best players in the league on that side of the ball. Matt Stafford goes on a big run. I, I could definitely see the Rams making a run to the, uh, the conference championship game. All right. Wrapping up the pod now, the last college football game of the regular season. Army-Navy. It is by far one of the coolest spectacles we have in American sports. I do not have any hyperbole on that. Uh, It is so cool. It is so cool. It's so fun. Um, The pageantry of it all, which is a word that gets overused in college football, the pageantry of it. I hate when people say that. it, nothing is as cool as is the spectacle that is the army navy game i'm getting chills um, thinking about it right now the president is always there to watch it um it is it is it is the it's america's game man like and, and for what all for what we get to do with our lives and everyone else like it only happens because of the freedoms that we are pro- provided um and entitled to living in this country and 
that only exists because of what these men and women do and, and the the bravery and the courage of 18 year olds who the majority of guys who play in for army and navy and football have offers to go to other schools but so many of them but there was a survey done um, by one of our hosts because we always have hosts on site for this game so we send like uh, tomorrow for or on friday for our shows we're gonna have like three of our shows get broadcasted from there people are gonna be lining up um and they they ask a lot of the players you know why did you choose to come play here and some people the majority of them it was not because they wanted to be an you know join a, a branch of the military um part of it is you know the esteem the accolade you're going to an awesome school in annapolis and west point um, but a huge portion of them say they go because of this game and the magnitude and the significance of this game um it's not going to be football that you would write home back like, oh my god it's the best football in the world but similar to what we were talking about with the monday night football thing which bill belichick's dad coached at navy right so mm-hmm. bill belichick comes out pre-game with the army face mask or with the Navy face mask on, which I love. I thought that was cool as shit. And then they go out and basically run, you know, a trip, not triple option, but they ran the ball and only threw it three times, uh, you know, kind of in, yeah. uh, in, in the spirit of Navy and army football. Now the army quarterback can actually sling it a little bit. Um, he had some serious offers. He was like a, a top recruit in his, in his, I forget what, maybe it was Maryland, um, but he can actually throw the ball. So Army is not afraid to throw it more than usual. And by more than usual, I mean like seven times compared to like twice. Um, but definitely take the time, even just to watch the intro and the march in. March uh, on, every, yeah. And the march the on. Like, yeah. It really is uniquely special. And what's cool about this too, Scotty, is so many rivalries, you know, like the uh, the Georgia and Georgia Tech rivalry is just called old good or uh, good old-fashioned hate. That's literally the name of the rivalry. You know, uh, the Egg Bowl, all these super intense rivalries where the yeah. fan bases hate each other. They hate each other. They really like, want to hurt each other physically. As soon as this game gets kicked off, it is intense. And both sides and the cadets and, and the Navy men and all these people are there going back and forth on both sides. But the amount of mutual respect that exists in this game is so uniquely special from the fans, from the players, coaches, everyone involved. It's going to be a spectacular showing. And they're doing it in New York this year uh, in, in the Giants and Jets Stadium to commemorate the 20th anniversary of 9-11, which I think is incredibly special. And um, it'll be a special yeah. day, a special event. And Army's a seven-point seven favorite right now. Army's had a great yeah. year. Over Navy's under 34 and a half. <laughs> wow. Um, before we get to our picks, any additional thoughts you want to throw into to this game and the magnitude and now, how unique man, and special look, I- it is? I've been to one. It was one of my bucket list things, <clears throat> and I went to one at the at the link in Philly. So uh, I got to watch the march on, and I have connections on both sides of the military, as most people do. Um, my both my grandfather served one in the army in uh, in World War II and one in the Navy in World War II. So um, I grew up rooting <laughs> for Navy. Uh, I'll say that uh, just because. Uh, my my mother always pushed it but uh hey the 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 pageantry and 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 like you said jeff it was well said it, it's an overused term a lot of the time uh, but this this really eclipses i like i said i'm getting chills talking about it now i i've i literally wept tears when i was watching it in person because it was so powerful and so cool 
uh, just to be physically a part of it. So uh, if you get a chance ever go yes. uh, once in your life, cause, cause it's awesome uh, and, and really cool. And I'm always locked into this game. I'm glad they moved it a week back now. Uh, so it's not conflicting with the uh, with the conference championship games. Once the conference um, championships became like a thing, where it was like yeah, every exactly. every conference had one, they moved it back, and and it's it's amazing for it to have its own day. Um, all right, for the picks, does Army cover the seven? Um, I haven't seen the uniforms this year. That's the last thing I'll add. The uniforms oh, are always the, the some navy of the one. Things. The navy yeah. ones are sick. Are they? They are yep. sick. The, Ar- the army ones are cool too. The armies are like desert storm, like camo. They're super cool. But the navy yeah. ones are so cool. I got to check them out. Um, yeah, that's always one of the coolest things. They change the uniforms every year, and and every year they do not disappoint. Um, so cover the seven and a half. Uh, I can't do it, man. Go navy, beat army. Go navy, beat army. I'm with you. I'm with you. Ken Niamatololo, he's fighting for his job. Ironically enough, he's done an amazing job at Navy over the years. Um, but there's some weird stuff with the athletic department there. Uh, yeah, and Jeff Munkin's an awesome head coach. But you can throw out the record books, man. Like we said, and shout out. this is the most throw your record, throw the record books yeah. out of any game ever. Because it, it's just, they'll show up and we'll see who wins. Army probably yeah. wins. And they probably cover the seven, but I'm pulling for the fun game. I'm pulling for the uniform. I'm pulling for yes, Navy. Sir. And, and shout my roommate out to works my... on Annapolis too. So nice. Shout out to my my cousin in laws. Uh, two of them went to the to the Naval Academy, uh, Paul and Judy, and then uh, a family friend, Michael, who graduated in the seventies. Uh, uh, family friend uh, TC who who went to the Naval Academy. I'm all over. I'm all over the Navy. So uh, shout out to you guys. Thank you for your service. Go Navy VR. Thank you to all the men and women who serve uh, and enjoy this game because it's going to be special. And what a way to cap off a wild regular season in college football. Absolutely wild. That's all we got. Enjoy the football. We'll be back on Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you guys then. Take it easy, everybody.